0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Uh, There was a moment on the 2nd of December 2017 where I had an experience that I will never forget. I was running across the beach at Lulworth Cove in Dorset. With each step, my feet were sinking into the stones and the sand. And if my legs could talk... They would have screamed, Tim, stop running, you idiot. (laughs) I was running really, really slowly, that sort of half-shuffling run you've seen other people do, where it would actually be quicker just to walk. (laughs) My feet felt like they weighed about 50 kilograms each. And worst of all, worse than all of that, in this moment, it's taking everything within me not to cry. I'm literally fighting back the tears. Why? Well, I'd been running for more than five hours, which was the longest run I'd ever done by two hours. This is a photo of me about five hours earlier, hence I'm still smiling. If you'd put the hills on top of each other, the ascent I'd climbed would total one and a half kilometres. It was ridiculous. I can't believe that I actually paid to do it. (laughs) It was so hard that at one point my mum ran next to me to encourage me. There's nothing quite like your 60-year-old mum (laughs) comfortably jogging alongside you, chatting away, not even out of breath, to really drive at home quite how slowly you're going. I'd had moments of rising anxiety where I felt totally intimidated and totally overwhelmed. And so why was I running across the beach, fighting back the tears? Was it because of the cramp? No. Was it the pain? No. Was it because I wanted to give up? No. The reason... I was overcome with emotions because I'd done it. The finish line was just around the corner, and after everything I'd been through, I honestly didn't know if I would finish it. But I had. I finished it, and that really moved me. And can I tell you something? For us, Jesus followers, for disciples, we are all in a race. It requires endurance. Sometimes the terrain is tough and the weather bad, but we will finish it. Paul, a hero of the Bible, majored on this. He talked about how God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on a day when Christ Jesus returns. And he reflected near the end of his life that he had fought a good fight, finished the race, and remained faithful. Paul knew what it took to finish it. In this series, Only the Brave, looking at discipleship through the book of James, we've already looked chapter by chapter at facing it, living it, taming it, and losing it. And this morning, we're looking at chapter 5, Finish it. And although all of James five is really worth reading, out of its three distinct chunks, I'm only looking at the middle part this morning, verses seven to twelve. And so what does finish it actually mean? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure finish it is particularly helpful language, because my understanding of discipleship is that a disciple is a person who makes a chain of deliberate decisions to be more like Jesus. Would you agree? A person who makes a chain of deliberate decisions to be more like Jesus. And unless we attain the likeness of Jesus, we're never going to finish it. Discipleship is a behaviour, an attitude, a mindset. You and I will never finish becoming disciples. But one day I will reach the finish line. There is going to be a day when I will be called home. There is going to be a moment when each of us passes from earth into eternity. And I, for one, like Paul, want to look back on my life and say with confidence i fought a good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And so no, we can't ever finish becoming a disciple, but our time living life as a disciple can finish. This morning, I want us to spend some time together looking at how James says we should live between now and the finish. And James starts by saying this, James 5, starting at verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. In other words, be patient then, until you finish it. This morning, I want to take a look at what James is calling us to as he instructs us to be patient then. Would you honestly describe yourself as patient? Or better question, would you describe yourself as more patient than impatient? Or generally more impatient than patient? You don't need to shout your answers out. If during the first few minutes of this talk, you've already looked at your watch a couple of times, that might be a clue. (laughs) Now, just between you and me and everyone listening on the podcast, I've had more moments of impatience than I would care to admit. When I was young, I used to grow my own vegetables, but I used to pull up my carrots to see if they were growing or not. (laughs) I'd be aiming for some sort of Waitrose finest, and I'd end up with a little (laughs) Chantenay carrot. Even now, years later, I still open the oven door to see if the Yorkshire puddings are doing well, and I'm rubbish in a traffic jam, are you? Or are you more patient? How do you feel in that moment when they shut the till at Audi? We're closing till number four, even though the queue's halfway up the aisle? Or how do you feel when you've ordered some dodgy fake goods off Wish.com, and then find out it's not going to be delivered for the next three months? James is saying to us here in verse 7, as disciples, as people making a chain of deliberate decisions to be more like Jesus, that until the Lord's coming, we should be patient. Patience is instructed. And maybe patience doesn't seem very exciting to you as a topic, but as I've looked at this passage more, I've realised that I think we've got the wrong idea of patience. I think we've got the wrong definition for starters, most people think of patience as synonymous with waiting. That's not right. Waiting is just waiting. You can wait impatiently. I'm pretty good at it. Some, some people think of patience as waiting a long time, or waiting longer than is reasonable. But this still isn't quite right. If I'm at home waiting for Maddie to come back from work and I'm watching a movie and drinking a beer, even if she's two hours late and I've been forced to open another beer, <laughs> If I'm having a great time, waiting longer than is expected, is that patience? The Oxford Dictionary defines patience as the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems or suffering, without becoming annoyed or anxious. I think we underestimate patience, and so does James, because he instructs patience, and then he illustrates patience. He expands. He says this in the rest of verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, waiting patiently for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. James is saying, be patient. See how the farmer does patience? I want you to do that. And so right now, we're going to unpack this farming metaphor, which links well to the next few verses, to understand what James is instructing and illustrating. He's chosen this metaphor on purpose, and so we need to ask ourselves a question. What can we be learning from the farmer as a model for godly patience? I often wish I was a farmer. I'm the sort of person who treats himself to a copy of The Farmer's Guardian if I'm going on <laughs> holiday. And so this metaphor is right up my street. So here are three simple observations about patients, learning from the farmer, and looking at the next few verses. Observation one. Patience is directly related to trust, so don't grumble. Think about, are we nearly there yet, as the ultimate illustration of patience. My college students in the back of my minibus used to shout all the time, are we nearly there yet, Tim? I generally had no idea, and so like any responsible lecturer would, I'd just fob them off. (laughs) But they knew it, and so they didn't trust me to furnish them with an accurate ETA. And what was the result? They asked me again and again and again. And then compared that to me, maybe I was just a perfect child, I don't know. But when I was younger, I used to say, are we nearly there yet? And my dad would respond something along the lines of, well, Tim, we've just left the M3, so we're about eight miles from home. Might be a bit of traffic at the lights in North Battersea. I'd say 12 minutes. 12 minutes later, pulling up at home. I trusted him, so I stopped asking. James is saying here that farmers have to Trust that the autumn and spring rains will come. Patience is directly related to trust. If you are struggling to be patient, then maybe, actually, you're struggling to trust. Maddie found it hard, and it took me a little while to get round to proposing. But she knew that I would, and she waited patiently. She trusted and was patient. Ask yourself the question, where am I being impatient and Is this indicative of a lack of trust? If you're not sure, then think about whether or not you like a good grumble. Grumbling is an outworking of impatience. Grumbling flies in the face of patience. Grumbling reflects the condition of our hearts. If Maddy had grumbled uh, to people about the fact that I hadn't proposed, that would have been the result of impatience. But she didn't, because she was patient. And if she did ever grumble to you, I never knew about it. So please don't shatter my illusions after church. And James 5, verse 9, the next verse says this, Don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So where you trust, you're patient, and you choose not to grumble. Is God calling you to trust him for something? Are you having to practice patience? Is there something you grumble about that you need to address? Observation two, patience is different to doing nothing, so don't sit it out. I don't know if you know any farmers or not, but the farmers I know are not notorious for sitting around doing nothing. I know I've got a bit of a reputation for being busy, uh, but I'm not a patch on a farmer. They are just some of the single most hard-working people I've ever met. When a farmer is waiting for their crops to grow, they don't just sit it out, Here comes a dodgy impression. I put the seed back in the ground back in March, and I won't be doing anything now until September, said no farmer ever. (laughs) Yes, the seed is planted, but there is much more work to do. And the following verses, verse 10 and 11, it says this, Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Like farmers, the prophets James is referring to here were not known for sitting around waiting. Think about Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah. They're held up here by James as examples of patience. But in the midst of their being patient, They were busy, busy doing the work of God. It's a bit like the serenity prayer. Do you know it? Uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. But more like, um, God, help me have the patience for the things only you can change. Help me to be active in everything else and help me to know the difference. You can be patient and busy. So don't sit it out. Is there an area of your life where you've used being patient as an excuse not to crack on? Is there somewhere that you've decided to opt out completely just because you're waiting? I wonder. Observation three. Patience is demonstrated by commitment. So don't be too quick to change your mind. This is totally anecdotal, so forgive me, but my experience of farmers is that they're a reliable breed of people. They're the sort of people who, if they say they'll be there, they'll be there. If they say they'll help out, they'll help out. They don't flip-flop around saying yes and then no and then maybe. They say it straight and stick to it. And in verse 12, James writes this. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Otherwise you will be condemned. This is patience. It's the opposite of FOMO. If you're not down with the download, FOMO stands for fear of missing out. So often our fear of missing out on something stops us patiently waiting for anything. I mean, why would you say yes and commit and then wait patiently if you think a better option might come along? If your yes often turns into a no and your no often turns into a yes, this hopping between commitments could demonstrate impatience. If God has promised you something... If you're waiting for something, then commit and stick with it. What are you holding out on committing to? Is there somewhere where you're so scared of having to be patient that you're not willing to commit? I wonder. And so there you have three simple observations from the farmer and from these verses about patience. Observation one, patience is directly related to trust, so don't grumble. Observation two, patience is different to doing nothing, so don't sit It out. And observation free. Patience is demonstrated by commitment. So don't be quick to change your mind. And I believe that God is calling you as a disciple, as someone making a chain of deliberate decisions to be more like Jesus, to be patient. God is calling you to learn to trust Him completely in your waiting. God is calling you to find out what you can be doing in the midst of waiting. God is calling you to wait with commitment, not constantly changing your mind. So is there an area of your life where you need to be patient? Is there something very practical that you're waiting for? Is there a revelation or an encounter that you're longing for? Is there something you want to move or change in your life that just isn't shifting? Choose to trust God completely. Choose to move whilst you're waiting. Choose to commit and stick it out. And so I want to wrap this up in a slightly unusual place this morning, considering that this is a series looking at the book of James. I want to wrap this up by delving into Deuteronomy for a few minutes. The events in Deuteronomy 11 took place hundreds of years before James was even born. But as you will see, there are some striking parallels. James is encouraging us to move in our relationship with God from impatience to patience. And in this passage, God is telling the Israelites that he wants to move them in their relationship from impatience to patience. Here, the Israelites are wandering around the desert impatiently, having escaped Egypt, but having not yet entered the promised land. God wanted to teach them in the midst of their impatience about the beauty of patience. You might want to turn to Deuteronomy 11 as I do this. So God wanted to move them to a new place of patient trust. And so here's what God said. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot, as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. It is a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied." In Egypt, the Israelites could water their crops by foot because the Egyptians had used the Israelites to build vast networks of canals and ditches fed by the River Nile. The Israelites, when they farmed in Egypt, had water on tap. You used your foot to kick away the edge of the ditch and water would flood through onto your crops. And you could carry water on foot to your other crops. Water was always available. It was easy It was comfortable, it was safe, but it didn't need God. It didn't need bravery, it didn't need patience, it didn't need trust. But then God used Moses to help the Israelites escape Egypt, instead promising them a beautiful new land, somewhere better than before, somewhere far more special, a land of plenty. But the new land is not like the old land, You cannot operate in the new land how you operated in the old land. You cannot water your crops by foot because there's not irrigation canals and ditches like in Egypt. This new land drinks rain from heaven. This new place requires trust. This new place requires dependency. This new place requires patience. God says that he will send rain on the land in its season, both autumn and spring rains. See the link back to James And that the Israelites will be provided for. And just like James encourages us, and just like God spoke over the Israelites, God speaks over us this morning. God is calling us to enter a place in our relationship with him, where we allow God to move in his own time and in his own way. God is calling us to a new place where patience looks more like being dependent than independent a place where patience is not merely waiting. I believe that disciples, people making a chain of deliberate decisions to be more like Jesus, are people who allow God to move them from the old land where no patience was required to a beautiful new land where patience prevails. And so if the band could come up, I just want to spend a couple more minutes thinking about this, but I think a bit of background music would be grand. I believe that there are people here this morning who wouldn't call themselves Jesus' followers yet, and certainly wouldn't call themselves Christians. But I believe for you that God is calling you from the old land to the promised land, from the old life to the new life, from a place where independency and self-sufficiency are sufficient, to a place where dependency on God is all-sufficient. This morning, if you haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet, but you feel like you've reached the end of your own resources if you feel exhausted from carrying water to your crops all the time, if you feel tired of being so fiercely independent, can I tell you that choosing to be dependent upon Jesus is the most beautiful thing. Dependency on God is great gain. And so if that's you this morning, I believe that God is calling you into a new place, a place of relationship with him, a place where you can figure out a completely different way of doing life. And I believe that there are people here this morning who are disciples and yet for whom this is a very real and present challenge. God wants to move you on in your discipleship journey. He wants to finish the good work he has started and he's calling you to discover this kind of patience. God wants you to move from a place like Egypt where you didn't need patient trust to a place like the promised land where you are utterly dependent upon God. God wants us all to move from a place where we don't really need him and move to a place where we would be lost without him. He is so much more secure than anything the world can offer. Maybe this morning there is part of your life which you need to recommit to God. And in doing so, ask him to help you have the patience to let him work in his own way. And so I want to do something a bit different. If that's okay I want to pray a blessing or a declaration over us this morning I want to declare God's promises from this passage over you so I've taken this passage from Deuteronomy 11 that I've just read it really is just the most incredible promise and I've changed the words I've added bits in and I've taken bits out I'm being creative it's not heretical don't worry this blessing is not the Bible it is inspired by the Bible is that okay So maybe actually we could all just, shall we stand together? Because I want to pray this over us. And maybe if there's something I've said this morning where you feel like God's just nudged something in your spirit, if there's words that have resonated with you this morning and you would like to receive this blessing, this declaration, then why don't you hold your hands out in a posture of receiving. I'm going to pray this over us and then we'll just... Let the band lead us in the rest of our response. So receive this. I believe that God is calling you this morning into a new place of patient trust. The land God wants you to enter is not familiar like the land from which you have come, the land of the world, where you plant and water and manage by yourself without any need for patient trust in God. But the land that God is moving you into is a beautiful land of mountains and valleys. A land that drinks rain straight from heaven. I pray that you would drink straight from heaven. It is a land that your God continually cares for. You can be confident that the eyes of the Lord your God will continually be on you. He is attentive to you. So obey these commands, love the Lord your God, serve him with all your heart. An act of outrageously trusting, active, committed patience. And God will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains. He will play the part that you can't. And you will gather in, you will reap a harvest, new things will grow, the landscape will change. Take heart. God will provide grass in the fields. He promises that. Be encouraged. You will eat and be satisfied. He promises that. God will provide. God will move in his own time and in his own way. With patient trust in your new place, you will thrive. With this patient dependence on God, you have what you need to finish the race. And from this new place, with this new trust inside you, you will finish it. That is my prayer. Amen. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.